Thanks, you guys. It's so good to worship together. Hey, if you got a Bible, um, I hope you do. Galatians chapter 3 is what we're going to be looking at. Uh, we're actually going to be looking at three passages tonight. Uh, the other nights, we're looking at just one. Tomorrow, we, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11. We've been talking about faith for the week, so you can't help but got to go to, to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. Uh, and tomorrow, I've been telling some people, it's my, my favorite one. Me and Sherry probably both. It's one of our favorite discoveries about faith and how to have a more incredible faith than you've ever had before. That's tomorrow. Um, but tonight, we're going to talk about how do you have a productive faith. And it's really almost a part two from last night. Uh, if you weren't here last night, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be that much built on it. But you, last night, when we found out about like, hey, what should we be anchoring our faith in? And there was kind of two choices, our experiences or God's word. And we saw the superiority of basing our faith in God's word because our faith is only as strong as what it is based upon. And experiences can be unreliable, but God's word is absolutely reliable. So we're going to have a more stable faith. We looked at that uh, last night, but we're going to continue to see how God's word really continues to be a key point in our faith in the word of God, continues to be a key element in, in the production of our Christian life uh, in us. I, uh, I actually thought for a long time, that yesterday I, I told you one of the other things that I I thought for a while that it wasn't true, which was, man, experiences, if I could just been with Jesus, that would have been great, and my faith would be so strong, but that's not really true. Uh, the other, another thing is, I, uh, when I became a follower of Jesus, I went, okay, you, to become a follower of Jesus, you place your faith in Jesus Christ. It's all based on faith. I know I can't do anything without him. Um, I'm completely helpless and hopeless. That's what I have to come to in order to give my life to Jesus Christ. Realize that I can't take care of my sin. It's all him. He's done all the work. And what do we do? We simply place our faith in him. Now we saw how profound that is on Sunday night. But that's what we do. We place our faith in him. And, I, and then I thought, though, after that was done, it was almost like a check mark for me. Okay, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Now what? Now I need to get to work. That's what I thought. Now I need to like do some things. Now I need to live out this Christian life. Now that God has got me back on track, now I need to like do things for him. I need to work for him. I, need, I mean, the Christian life is about doing things for God. I mean, that's kind of a, I think that's like a definition of a Christian. You, what's a Christian do? Well, they do things, they live for God. Um, they, you know, and I thought, I, if I just try really hard and, and, and really try to serve him, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's where my heart was. Uh, not, it wasn't a heart issue. It was just a, a misunderstanding issue. But I, it, I almost pictured it like this, like, uh, like there's a staircase about my, how my life is supposed to be, and there's this big gulf between me and that staircase. That sin is keeping me from that staircase and, and my life. And so Jesus Christ is kind of like the bridge that gets me to the staircase, that Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, if I put my faith in him, it's like walking across that bridge, or maybe he's even picking me up and putting me on a staircase, or a big long ladder, and okay, I'm putting you on the, on, I'm putting you on the lowest rung, but I'm getting you on the ladder, I'm getting you on the staircase, and so he gets me there, and now what do I do? Now I walk up the stairs. Now I go on with a life to say, thank you, Jesus, for getting me here, and now I'm going to do this for you, and sometimes I picture it this way. That Jesus did all this work to save me. And this is actually just my heart. Like, man, I just want to serve him. He's done all this work. I mean, he gave up his life, died for me. And it's just unbelievable love and sacrifice that he did in order to save me. I want him to just sit down and relax a little bit. And now let me serve you. 
That makes sense? Like, that, do you see the heart behind that? You've done all this for me. Can I just wash your feet? Can I do something for you? What else do you need? I want to do something and do this for you, and I want to live out this life to show you how much I appreciate what you've done for me. I'm going to do all these things for you. And my life as a follower of Jesus was very frustrating. Extremely frustrating because I was doing it all wrong. And I realized when I looked at Galatians chapter 3, the first passage we're going to look at, then we'll look at Mark chapter 4 and then John 15. We have time to get to that. But I came across Galatians chapter 3, and God hit me with a ton of bricks. You ever had that happen? You're reading, you know, you're, and you're like, oh, whoa. This is like directly to me. There's been a few passages that have just hit me. I went, you wrote this, like, it's for me. And in the book of Galatians, Paul is addressing the, the, the Galatian church. They're, they're having these people come in with false teaching. And I realized as I was reading through Galatians that the false teaching was basically this. You come to Jesus Christ by faith. And then after that, you have a lot of work to do. That's what the false teaching was. Come to him by faith, but after that, you got to do the works of the law. you got to do this and this and this and this and this. Now that you have made it into the door, now it's time to put on the uniform and start to get to work. You know, start serving. And, and Paul is saying that was the lie. That was the false teaching. And in, and in chapter 3 is when he says it so clearly for me and got me to start thinking. He says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Hey, remember to go, go back to the moment how you became a follower of Jesus Christ. Remember, he was crucified. It's that your life is based on his death for you, his sacrifice for you. And then he says this, let me ask you only this. I'm just going to ask you one question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What is the answer to that question? Did we receive the Spirit when you know when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes, resides in us, empowers us, um, uh, leads us. Jesus talks about the helper that leads us and reminds us of God's words in our mind and, 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 and helps us understand spiritual truths and, and, and speaks into our conscience and leads us. That spirit who came into your life and my life, how did we get that spirit? Did we work for it? Did we work for him to get him into our lives? No. He said, or did you, did you get the whole Holy Spirit and the whole thing began, your whole new life in Jesus Christ began by hearing with faith. You heard the truth and you believed the truth. And we know how, what the answer is, right? The answer is the second one. I heard the truth. I coupled it with my faith. I decided to put my faith in Jesus Christ because I heard that was a truth that I need to put my faith in him. And that's how it all began. And then he says this in verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You see, he's saying exactly what I thought. What I was thinking how you live life. You begin by the spirit. You begin by hearing with faith to get the Holy Spirit. But then at that point, 
Now I need to get to work. And he says, is, are you so foolish to think that you began a certain way, that now the rules have changed, and now you're being perfected in a different way? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it, it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? We received the Holy Spirit by hearing with faith. The, the Christian life began. We were born again by hearing with faith. Our life began. We were born into this new life by hearing with faith. What makes you think that you live the next day any other way? The answer to that question in verse 5 is, does he who supplies the Spirit to you, to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law? Is it happening because you're working so hard? Is miracles happening in your life because you're working so hard? Is the Spirit working in your life because you're working so hard? He goes, no, it's by hearing with faith. You're simply trusting the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Walking, walking by the Spirit is a lot of trust. It's the Spirit saying to me, in my mind, he's just saying, hey, we need to go this way, we need to, we need to live this way, and me just grabbing hold of and saying, okay, I'm going to walk with you. I'll trust you. Because that's what it is. It's hearing the voice of the Spirit as he reminds you what God's Word says. It's in the responding to that by trusting what he's leading you into and what, and what he's reminding you of. That's what it's always been, what it always is. So now I realize in this moment, that Jesus Christ, and by putting my faith in Jesus Christ, got me on the very bottom step of this new staircase that we call the rest of my life, living for him. And now I realize that as much as I didn't have enough power, and I was completely helpless and hopeless to get on that first step, I am completely helpless and hopeless to get on the second step. I am completely hopeless and helpless to get on the third step. And the way I get on the second step is exactly how I got on the first step. By continuing every, every day, waking up and going, I can't do this. I never could. I'm too weak. Sin is too strong. I can't do this. I need you, Jesus Christ. I need to give you my life, just like I did on the day that I came to you for salvation. I need to give you my life today and give your spirit, who now lives inside of me, my life today in order to take the next step in life, in order to produce something in my life. These miracles that happen in life, and it truly is a miracle. It's a miracle to live like Jesus Christ. We cannot do it. And that miracle happens not because you're trying really hard to live like Jesus Christ. If it is, it is a fake Jesus that you're showing. It's not really Jesus. He can only be shown we can only be sanctified the same way we were saved, by continuing to believe in him and trust him for every single step of the way. Hearing with faith. Now suddenly some other places in scripture start making more sense to me, like without faith it's impossible to please God. Why does he say that? Well, because without faith it's impossible to please God. <laughs> That's why, because faith is the thing that we bring to the table, nothing else, in order for God to be pleased in our life. The righteous man lives by faith. Have you heard that verse? In the Old Testament, it's quoted again in the New Testament, in 
Romans chapter 1, Paul reminds us this. And what's interesting is that for so many years, I thought it was saying the righteous man is saved by faith. But a righteous person is not only saved by faith. He doesn't only become righteous by faith. A righteous man lives by faith. Someone, the only way that we can live a righteous life is if we live it by what? Faith. Faith. True faith will produce something. James kind of threw that out, right? Like, like faith without works is dead. He's talking about there's a fake faith you can have, like the demon faith. But if you have true faith, you will see something happening. But that's the way it's done. I don't do things and maybe have faith as well. I, I do things out of my faith. It produces something in my life. Which now brings me to Mark chapter 4. If you want to turn back there, Mark chapter 4, this parable that Jesus gives that reminds me, when I read Galatians and I kept hear, looking at the thing, hey, how did you start your life? Hearing by faith. How do you continue your life? Hearing by faith. The hearing of the word of God, hearing and trusting, putting my faith in whatever God's word reveals to me, whatever he reveals to me in his work, that I just go, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to believe that. And it reminded me of this parable. Because in this parable, Jesus Christ talks about hearing and believing. The same thing. And hearing the word. And he talks about four ways that people respond when they hear God's word. And, and I think that this parable, primarily, Jesus is talking about actually coming to him. When you hear the word of the gospel, when you hear the gospel, there's four different responses to the gospel that people give. There's only one good one. There's three bad ones. But there's four different ways that people respond but now that I've read Galatians chapter 3, I understand that the way you begin your Christian life is the same way and the same kind of faith that you're supposed to have continuing in your Christian life. So as an application of this parable, we can actually look at it and say, how am I doing just walking in my Christian life with how I respond to God's word? What kind of faith do I have? And what we talked about last night, okay, put your faith in God's word. Okay, what kind of faith do I have in God's word? Is it a faith that's producing something? Or is it not? Let's look at the parable. It's, it, this is what blows me away, this, this parable, in so many different ways uh, that I misunderstood even this parable as I was growing up. And maybe you've heard it. You've heard the parable of the four soils? Many of us have. But let's just remind ourselves of it. Chapter 4, verse 1 in Mark, it says this. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside, was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And his, in his teaching, he said to them, and the one that is recorded here in, John, in, in Mark is this. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell upon the path, this is like the hard soil, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
<clears throat> and of course, a parable is a comparable. I always use the, put three three letters C O M in front of a parable to remember it's a comparable. He's telling us the story, but it has it's supposed to be compared to a spiritual truth, which I'm so glad he actually explains to us. We could guess like, oh, I wonder what this means, and that's actually what the disciples were doing. Well, I, I wonder what he means, and they actually I appreciate that they actually came to him on the on the break and said, hey, um, we have no idea what you're talking about. Explain this parable to us. I, I, we don't get it. And in verse 14, he explains the parable. So he, he says this, the sower sows the word. Now, he doesn't say who the sower is, and people have said different things. But if he doesn't say who it is, that's not what matters. That's not the thing that matters right now. What matters is the seed. And what's the seed? The word. Now, again, the word of the gospel where people are going to respond for the first time in following Jesus Christ, but we have just learned, but we also have, have an opportunity to respond to the word every single day of our life with that same kind of faith that we began with. So let's look at it in that way, and it, it just changes everything for me. He says, so the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So it's the, I always call it the hard soil. So the hard soil is the person who the word is spoken to. You hear, they hear, you hear the word of God, and it just goes in one ear out the other. And actually, even here, that's actually giving it too much stuff, because this one is like it hits your ear and then pounces off. Like it doesn't even go in. And he says, that's that person. And we would say, okay, in, the, in this parable, when we're, thinking about, when we're thinking about salvation, that's the person who rejects the gospel, right? But as you're going through your entire life, I got to say, there are times in my life, I'm hard soil, where I will hear God's word and I don't want to hear it today. And now as a follower of Jesus Christ, I finally get to a place of repentance in that. But let's just see that that's, that's one way that people can respond to the word, either on a one-time basis or on a continual basis, or maybe different seasons in your life, but let's just look at it and say, okay, so there's, there is this hard soil. They, they just don't want to hear it. And this is, then these are the ones growing on, on rocky soil. So then there's rocky soil. Some people would say shallow soil. But the rocky soil. And it says, um, the ones who, when they hear the word, Immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now let's keep going as we keep on to finish these ones. It says, and others are the ones sown among thorns, or I would say, I always call weedy soil. Among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, so now it's good soil. They're the ones that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. 
So we already talked about the hard soil a little bit. Then there's the rocky soil, right? The rocky soil hears the word. By the way, the common thing between all four of these, there is something in common. They all hear the word. Did you catch that? They all hear the word. Now it's how you respond. What kind of faith do you have in what you're hearing? This one, none. This one would say, with rocky soil, they hear and they receive it with joy, he says. He says they, 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 they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So this is the person who hears the word. And again, I'm going to talk about like, am I just in my life as I just keep going through my life? Am I a kind of rocky soil kind of person as I continue on responding to the word? I hear it and I go, that is fantastic. Oh, that's the way to live. And I'm talking about just how we live our Christian life. Just as we continue to hear God's word on how to live life and, 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 and how to respond or whatever in, in life, that we go, wow, that's fantastic. It's God's word. This is fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. And you leave, and then you go through life, and then something hard happens that if you follow what you heard, it's not going to go well. Following that, like, okay, it, it's if I follow now what I heard, what I know God's word is telling me, now the rubber's hitting the road, now I have to actually apply it and actually live by it, and you're the one that goes, there's just no way. No way. And then you go back and you hear the word again, and you're like, this is Fantastic. This is so good. Oh, my goodness, this is going to change my life. But then when you finally go out and you have those times to apply it, no, I can't. Have you ever had a time in your life when you did do that? I have. This is what God's word says. I know it's so good. Oh, man, I did. But I don't think about the cost of it. I don't think about it in the moment like, oh, this could be hard. I just, oh, that's great. And then something hits me and I'm not prepared for it. And I go, wow, if I actually follow through with what God's word says here, I'm going to lose a lot of money. If I actually follow through with God's word here, I might lose my job. I'm just going to set it aside and I'll follow it the next time when it doesn't quite cost as much. There are, I think there are people who in their Christian life right now are doing that, and it's just, we're not really getting anywhere, are we? We know it. But I think all of us can relate to the temptation, can't we? I just, I can. Weedy soil. So really, oh, sorry, but, but by the way, hard soil says, um, I will not trust. I won't trust the word. I just, that's dumb. I ain't going to do it. There's just no way. We, rocky soil says, I will trust. Until... Unless. I will trust the word until I have to actually apply it to a hard situation. I will trust the word until that 
time comes where it's going to cost too much. I will trust the word unless it's just going to be too hard. And we all have this line when it gets too hard. Weedy soil. Others are ones sown among thorns. They are those that, who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So there's an implication here. They hear the word, and they accept it. They accept what God's word says, and it begins to grow this plant in their life. But it says the, deceitful, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. This is the person that says, I will trust and. And it's a huge and. Of course I trust what God's word says. You hear it and you're like, okay, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to incorporate that into my life. But it's not the only thing I'm going to incorporate in my life. There are other things I need to live for, too. The word of God isn't enough direction in my life. I do need, it says, deceitfulness of riches. I need, I need to have something else to supplement this in my life and God's direction in my life. So I, need to, I, I do need to live for him, but I also need to live for riches. I also need to live, it says, for the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things. So it's, it's, I trust you, Jesus, and I also live for this. I'm living for you, Jesus. I'm living for what you're saying that you want me to, to do in your word. And I also want to live for this. I got to live for this, too. It's the whole where Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You're going to end up saying what, yes to one and no to the other one. And it's always going to end up being no to Jesus. It always will. He doesn't say that the plant grows up and, chucks, and, and chokes out the weeds, does he? He says, those weeds, the other things that I also have in my life that I'm living for is just as much of a priority as God's word will always become more of a priority. And when it, come, when it does come between choosing, and there's going to be a time where you have to choose God's word or living for this. I'm going to live for this. I'm going to set it aside. And when God's word can fit in with the other things that I'm living for again, I will put God in it again. I will put his word into it again. But some of us are like that. We live for God's word. We go, okay, I accept God's word. And I live for this. And if there's ever a conflict, you will end up just living for this. But I trust his word and let's add to it. Good soil. This is, but those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it. And then he just says, and they bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This one says, I will trust. I'll trust your word. I'm going to trust what you say. Period. Period. If it, if it costs me a whole bunch, if it costs me my whole life, if it costs me how I'm living, to follow your word and trust your word. I trust your word. I trust your word. If there's something else in my life that I really would love to have in my life and live for as well, and that conflicts with your word, it's, it, I'm, it's, it's conflicting with time and energy and whatever else, 
I'm, I'm pulling up. We, it's gone. It's just you. It's just what you say. I'm going to just trust what your word says. Period. When I look at this uh, parable, what's interesting, and again, I've always applied it to salvation. I've, gone, I've given this in a like, salvation message. Hey, what kind of person are you? But now I'm thinking about, wow, salvation is also equated to how I trust him in sanctification. Now I go, wow, there's times in my life I need to just continue to go. I want to trust his word. What does he tell me? What has he showed me in his word? What is his Holy Spirit reminding me of right now that I know the Holy Spirit is trying to guide me? And it's like, oh, really? This is how I'm applying it. I know he's, he's, he's saying, will you submit to me? Will you walk my way? I just want to say I will, period. No matter what. No matter what. But I always did this, you guys. Um, this is really tough. I always kind of ranked these. You ever done that? Like almost like stages in your life, you know, where you go, okay, I'm, you know, hard so that's really bad. You know, the seed doesn't even go into the ground. It's just bad, you know. That, you know it's a, that's, that's really bad, obviously. Rocky soil, uh, it's better than hard soil, but it's not as good as weedy soil. Because rocky soil, and at least accepts the seed. Now, and the seed starts growing. It grows into a plant. The sun comes out, and then the plant's gone. It dies. But at least they had, a, at least they had something, you know. It's little, that's better than hard soil. At least, I, you know, at least I said I was going to trust him, and I trusted him until that bad time. I mean, that's better than saying I'm not going to trust him at all, right? Weedy soil. A little bit better than rocky soil. Obviously, it's not as good as good soil, but it's better than rocky soil. You know, the, this one, the plant grows, and it says it, it says it chokes the plant so that it's unfruitful. Well, maybe the plant doesn't actually die. It just doesn't ever produce fruit, but it doesn't die, so at least there's a plant there. You know, among all these other ones. So it's not as good as, a, as, as it could be, but it's better than this. And at least I'm saying I'm trusting him, and I'm not saying, oh, until or unless. I'm just adding to it. That's all I'm doing. I'm just adding some other things in my life that are, you know, that are definitely, you know, conflict at times. But, I, you know, it, it's, it, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. And for sure it's better than this. All these are better than this. It looks like there's four different soils but there's actually only two. And it's really simple. There is good soil. We've already seen that, right? Good soil. And you know what these are all called? Bad soil. And that's what these all are. Not bad, a little bit better, a little bit better, good. These are bad. The reason why I could say that is because how the parable is written, how the parable is spoken, and the parable has to do in the context of farming. That's all it's about. It's, this is not florists. If it was about plants, the one that wins is weedy, more plants than any other one. Is that what it's about? To a farmer, what is the only thing that matters when he plants that orchard? Fruit. That's the only thing that matters. The only thing. Now, if the parable would say, this one produces no fruit, 
This one produces a little bit. This one produces a little bit more, and this one produces the most. Okay, I could follow that. A farmer could follow that. How much fruit does this one produce? Just say none. How much fruit does this one produce? None. None. Equal. Equal. How much fruit does this one produce? None. You know what's actually crazy? If you are a farmer, or if you just think about farming, and I did grow up in farming in Northern California, and uh, I actually worked in, you know, for a farmer, for a rancher. We produced, we, we actually harvested fruit and uh, prunes. It was actually, thank, you're, very, you're welcome if you like prunes. Um, in, the, in the summer. Um, and the only thing that mattered was how many bins, how many trees it would take to fill up this huge bin of prunes. And the less trees that filled it up, the better. But if we didn't, went down a row of trees that looked fantastic and not one prune fell off that tree, it would have been the same as if there wasn't even a tree there at all. Same. In fact, as a farmer, I make the case that this is better than this. If a farmer looks on a field and sees hard soil, there's not even a tree growing. He already knows how much fruit he's going to get. Rocky soil is very frustrating to a farmer because it looks super exciting at first, doesn't it? Look at these plants. My trees, my plants, my wheat is growing faster than all of my neighbors. It sprang up three weeks early. Look at it grow. This is fantastic. And then the first hot day, everything dies before it can produce fruit. You think that farmer is more happy? Well, at least I had plants for a while. I know I wasted a bunch of water and fertilizer on it, but, you know, that's the way it goes. He would have been much more happy to just have hard soil. At least I know. I didn't waste any money on it. It didn't get my hopes up. I know exactly what I got. Weedy soil is even worse. Even worse. But it doesn't die. It stays there. And it keeps watering. It keeps fertilizing. And it keeps hoping. And it keeps hoping. And then the day of the harvest comes. And it goes out there with all of the machinery. After all that money and all that time. And all that energy placed into producing fruit. And it gets zero. The same amount as he would have gotten if he wouldn't have planted anything at all. You tell me which one of these frustrates the farmer the most. Crazy, isn't it? It doesn't go hard soil. Oh, rocky soil, weedy soil, good soil. It goes like this. Hard soil. Rocky soil. Weedy soil. That's how it goes. Wow, that hits me. And now it hits me in my Christian life as well. Because the only thing that matters is production. 
what is my faith producing? What is my faith in God's word producing? And if I have a faith in God's word that just says I don't trust him, well, we already know what that's going to produce. If I have a faith in God's word that says I will trust him unless, I'll trust him until you have just as much production in your life as somebody who does not want to trust God's word at all. Let it sink in. See how serious it is. Don't fool yourself into saying, well, at least it's better. It's not. And if you have a faith that says, I trust God's word, but I just am going to live for other things too. That's better than nothing. No, it's not. It's equal to nothing. Equal. That's why he says the good fruit is the one who says, I will trust God's word, period. This is a faith that produces something. It's the only one that does produce something. I will trust God's word, period. Today, I'm going to just trust what the word of God and what the Holy Spirit brings to my mind in his leading today. You will see production. But that's why he says you produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. He's actually trying to say good soil. Now, good soil, it, it takes time to, to mature. Some of us produce, you know, 30, 30-fold. And as time goes on and the tree matures more, maybe you're going to produce 60-fold or somebody else is doing that. And so as time goes on and you mature more and you even learn more of God's word and more things to trust and more consistently trust him, period, then you'll see even 100-fold. But the, 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 the soil that produces 30-fold and the soil that produces 100-fold, that soil is not better than the soil that produces 30-fold. They're all good soil. The point is, is that what faith I have and what I do see in God's word, whatever I am reading, whatever he shows me, whatever he brings to my mind through his spirit, I'm just going to go, you know what? What do I know? I'm helpless and helpless. I can't do this anyway. I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to believe what he tells me. And you will see production. Which reminds me of the last passage. Just turn there really quick. John chapter 15. We're going to look at this really quick. Just reminded me of this. There's other places I can show it. But John 15. And then I have a couple of sentences that I've, a couple ideas that I always think of that reminds me of what the Christian life is about. And I want to end it with that. But in John 15, it also talks about producing fruit. But if you notice, he doesn't say in that parable of the, of the soils. He doesn't say, he doesn't, he doesn't command the soil to produce fruit. He, he's just saying, hey, soul, just accept the word. Trust the word, period. Don't put any uh, if, and, ands, and buts on it. Just go, okay, I'm going to trust what he says, and you will see something happen. And the same thing is true in John 15 where he says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Maybe you're familiar with this. And you go, okay, he's the vine. The father's the vine dresser. Well, who are the branches? And he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, Whoever abides in me, another farming thing, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In verse 7 he says, if, you're, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This, it, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The whole point that Jesus is trying to say to his disciples is, look, the purpose for you is to bear fruit. You're a branch on a vine. Your purpose is to pr produce fruit. But just keep remembering this. You can't produce fruit on your own. Uh, the branch, if it's separated from the vine, it doesn't produce fruit, fruit and then it's accepted by the vine. No, it doesn't work that way. We all know that. 
The only way that branch can produce fruit is if it's connected to the vine. If it abides in the vine, has that relationship, that loving, trusting relationship in Jesus Christ. And then he even says, and let, your, let my words abide in you. So there's even a connection with the word. And then he even says in this that he, he says, I will prune you. My father will prune you so that you will produce even more fruit. And the pruning comes from the word, he says. You've been pruned because of the word. So the word is what we continue to respond to to continue to produce fruit as we abide in him, as we continue to trust him and, and just stay in that relationship with him. That's what produces things in us. We're never commanded to produce fruit. Which I go for full circle and going, man, I kept thinking in my life that I became a follower of Jesus in order to produce fruit. So I, I imagine Jesus sitting there and saying, watch me produce fruit. Ah, come on. I'm actually dying out here. Jesus is saying, I know. Will you stop putting me aside and will you stay connected to me and will you just trust me? Look, it's, you're making it more difficult than it is. It's simple. It might be harder actually to trust me, than to just keep on doing, trying to do your own thing. But, but please, will you just trust me? Will you just abide in me? Will you just, will you just work on your relationship with me and build that trusting relationship that we talked about on Sunday night? Keep remembering that I'm in control, and I know what's best in your life, and I love you. So when you read my word and when you read what I'm telling you, remember who I am and have this relationship with me so that you will say, I'll trust him, period. Even if it costs me whatever, because he's in control. He knows what's best in my life. I don't. He loves me. I just trust him. And I want to grow in that relationship. And then suddenly we will see fruit. He doesn't say what the fruit is, but I think that's because it's obvious what the fruit is to somebody who would be reading this analogy. Because apple trees produce what? Apples. Grapevines produce grapes. So a Jesus vine produces Jesus. The life of Jesus will be produced in us if we would trust him and his word. So I have found this to be true. That the Christian life is not about it's not about rules a long time such as a kid I thought the Christian life is about certain rules following certain commandments that's what the Christian life is about the Christian life is not about rules the Christian life is about relationship It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that produces obedience. But the Christian life is not really about obeying commandments. It's about a relationship that produces obedience. Even in this chapter, Jesus says it a few times as he's with his disciples the last night. He says this profound statement, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is not, he does, he's not saying, if you love me, then Keep my, you, should keep, you should keep my commandments. He is saying an, an indicative statement. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keeping my commandments 
indicates that you love me. If I'm not following God's commands, I thought I need to try harder to follow God's commands. And Jesus says, stop thinking about the rules and concentrate on the relationship. You're not following my commands because you still have to work with me and be with me to really believe that I really am in control, know what's best, and love you. You don't believe something in that. You don't trust me. That's why you're not following the command. You need to grow in your love for me because, man, when you love someone, it makes us do crazy things, doesn't it? It just does. Fall in love with Jesus. Get to know him more. Abide in him and you will bear fruit and your father will be glorified. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. It's not about trying harder. Not about trying harder. This is actually, I can take a breath on this one because I try so hard and I keep failing. It's about trusting more. I say, man, and, and when we really understand this concept, you'll understand this statement. Stop trying. Are you done trying? Are you tired yet? Are you tired yet? Jesus, I think, he's sitting here, and I'm going, I'm going to do this for you. And I'm over here, oh, doing what's And Jesus is going, are you tired yet? Are you done? No, 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 I'm not done yet. And finally, I'm just panting one day and going, okay, I give up. And he says, now you're ready. Now you're ready. I need you to give up every day. I need you to stop trying, and I need you to start trusting. Trust me more. Just trust me more. Fall in love with me more. Get to know me more so you'll be naturally wanting to even trust me more and see what happens just out of your relationship with me. And the last one is this. It's not about doing things for God. The Christian life is not about doing things for God. It's about God doing things in and through me. It's a good thing he doesn't care about spelling, okay. And through me, and I'm just going to say, you keep writing if you want to, as I trust him. The Christian life is not about us doing things for God. The Christian life is about God, through his Holy Spirit, to empower us. And, and he places in our life to remind us of the truth for us to submit to him and just trust him as he leads us. It is about God his spirit doing things in and through us as we trust him. And when we understand the Christian life, when we actually live out the Christian life and we see fruit that's bearing, we can't take credit for it. And that's the whole point too. The, bear, the fruit, the, all the fruit that's produced brings glory to who? Brings glory to God. Because we actually go, I don't know, I, I, I couldn't do this. This is all God and his spirit working through me as I just trust him. About God doing something in us as we trust Him.
One last thing that I'm not going to write it down, but it just hit me. It's not about performing for God. It's just about presenting our lives to him every day. That's what the Christian life is about. Boy, it hit me, hit me and Sherry for such a long time for us to just think of. So let's just end with this, you guys. How about we just go back to that parable and just remind ourselves every single day, and I want to do it too, that we would just get up tomorrow and just say, today, God, I just want to trust you, your Holy Spirit, and your word. No if, and, or buts. Period. That's what I want to do today. Just like I did when I came to you for that first day for salvation. God, let's, uh, let's pray, you guys. God, thank you so much for the reminder again uh, tonight. These huge concepts. Some of them are simple, but they're heavy. They're big concepts, profound concepts that change my even way of thinking on how the Christian life is, is done in our lives. But God, that we'd remember that this faith that we have, it is, it's not just great to have, it's essential to have in our lives. A true faith in you and your word that we want things to be produced in our lives. We want our lives to walk in a way that you have planned for us to live and God, some of us have been just trying and, and working, and God, we've forgotten that the way we live this life is the same way that we even came to you in the first place, by just trusting you and your word, that what we hear, oh God, we would know that we can trust you so much that anything you tell us, no matter what it is in your word, no matter what the Holy Spirit reminds us of, through what we've read and to apply in our lives, no matter what, it is best because you're in control and you know what's best and you love us. So we say again tonight, we just want to trust you and let the fruit begin.